Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then we discuss it. This is page 732. What will her hand flicked out and the tip of the rod caught me on the cheek. This time I had the breath for it and I gave a high, startled yelp. Vashet looked at me. I'd never thought anything so simple as eye contact could be so intimidating. But her pale gray eyes were hard as ice. Say to me, yes, Vashet, I understand. I glared. Yes, Fashet, I understand. The right side of my upper lip felt huge and unwieldy as I spoke. She searched my face as if trying to decide something, then shrugged and tossed the stick aside. Only then did I risk speaking again. What would happen to Tempe if I were to leave? When you leave, she said, stressing the first word, the few that doubt it will know he was wrong to teach you, doubly wrong to bring you here. And what will... I paused and backtracked. What would become of him in that case? She shrugged and turned away. That is not for me to decide, she said, and walked away. I touched my cheek and lip, then looked at my hand. No blood, but I could feel the red welt rising on my skin, plain as a brand, for anyone to see. Not sure what else I should do, I returned to the school for lunch. After making my way to the dining hall, I looked around but didn't see Tempe among the blood-red mercenaries there. I was glad for that. As much as I would have enjoyed some friendly company, I couldn't bear the thought of him knowing how badly things had gone. I wouldn't even need to tell him. The mark on my face said it plainly for everyone in the room to see. I kept my face impassive and my eyes low as I moved through the line and filled my plate. Then I chose an empty section of table, not wanting to force my company on anyone. I have been alone for most of my life, but rarely have I felt it so much as at that moment. I knew one person within 400 miles, and he'd been ordered to keep away from me. I was unfamiliar with the culture, barely competent with the language, and the burning all across my back and face was a constant reminder of how much I was unwelcome. The food was good, though. Roasted chicken, crisp long beans, and a slice of sweet molasses pudding. Better fare than I could usually afford for myself at the university, and hotter than the food at the mayor's estate. I wasn't particularly hungry, but I have been hungry enough in my life that I have a hard time walking away from an easy meal. That's the page. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. The extent of their socialist paradise is on display here, in that even though he is an outcast in every sense of the word, he is still able to feed himself at the communal dining hall at no charge and getting better food than he would have to pay for in his uh, capitalist hellscape that is the rest of the world i mean i think that is a lot to assume based on what little we know about how their culture is organized it could be that he has been enrolled maybe somebody paid his tuition and the food is included i'm not saying that i completely disagree with you and i would dearly love for this ninja warrior society to also be a paragon of uh of socialist organizing, but I'm not willing to stake my claim on that just yet. I think that's the implication though. Like we learn later that the bulk of their wealth comes from the mercenary work. And it seems like no one pays for anything here. And a lot of their time is spent in leisure and casual sex. Like, I mean, no one pays for anything here. Cause this is the school where you learn how to be a mercenary. All right. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> It could be that they're like, you know, a country that has an enforced like period of, of military service and they surely couldn't make you pay for that. You know what I mean? Like if, if it's like a, you you know, everyone serves like a two year term as a mercenary, but we have to train you to do that. 
you know, then at least, you know, they're paying for your food in the canteen. There's non-mercenaries in the hall here. Anyway, I see what you're doing. You've got a crazy theory and you're just bending the, the quote unquote evidence that we see on the page to fit what you think supports your theory. It's dishonest and I won't stand for it. I, I am just pointing out that uh, all literary critique is a, is a folly and a sham, a fool's errand, because you can twist the words on the page to mean anything you want. Better to be a sheep, a passive uh, recipient of the Ludovico technique. Just lean back that and is correct. pour yes. the poison in your ear. Go ahead, Claudius. Famously, the king <laughs> who had poison poured in his own ear. If you look at it on a long enough time scale, perhaps he did. Perhaps he did. Jordana, I feel like you might have something useful to say regarding the page we're on. <laughs> I I mean, if I did, it's gone now, but uh, you two seem to be on fire, so. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the cosmic sense, that Claudius was extremely entertaining for me. <laughs> and probably for anybody else listening. Okay, I do, I guess I have something sort of useful to say. I mean, it, I feel like it barely touches. This socialist paradise of the the free food, even for the unwanted, is this because it's the school and this only happens within the area of the school or is this like their whole society? Absolutely impossible to know right now, I would say, given the limited information we have. We know there are other schools, which I may know because I read ahead. Um, so, I mean, I've also read the book before and so have you. But uh, this time I did read ahead because I was excited and there are other schools. This is just the one school. This is like the Latantha school, the school of the sword tree. It's not like the sword tree is a ubiquitous part of all Adam culture. This is just like, the thing that this school is built around. So maybe each of the schools, like, we don't know a ton about the other schools. So maybe each of them are built around like a curious natural. Maybe they have like different skill sets. Like maybe some of them are like really good at athletic swimming or, and some of them are like really good at sneaking. And some of them are really good at uh high altitude sports jumping. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Things that might be useful in battle. <laughs> yeah, like the falling cliff, the wingsuit technique. I, I do think that what we can sort of glean from what we learn about this school, and I, we're getting off the page here. We're way off the page. I'm sorry. What we can sort of glean is that they have taken inspiration from the tree in some way, and that's sort of like how their style is based. In much the same way that the badger moles taught earthbending to the earthbenders. I knew you were going to do this tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you welcome I, it? I felt it in my bones. I felt it coming. Are you a tangent bender, Jordana? <laughs> Yes, I ah, the tangent. God, uh, presumably that's a very esoteric form of wind, of uh, like uh, air bending. So you're bending the hot air coming out of your co-host, trying to make it into a point. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could wonder if the different schools are organized according to the whims of the leader of the school, right? Maybe Shaheen has decided that, like, you know, everyone's welcome here. No one has to pay for anything. Maybe it doesn't work the same way in other places. But it's all this is all speculation because we don't even know that much about this town, let alone do we have any information about other ADEM towns. We might gain some more insight later. Why can't you just be pleased at the positive socialist representation? Why do you have to bend over backwards to find excuses for it not to be a socialist paradise? Uh, because I don't believe in seeing things that uh, there isn't evidence for. I mean, the fact that Quoth got a better meal than he could afford anywhere else in the world for no money. That is a data point. A data point is not compelling data set. All right. I mean, I want to believe that it's a socialist paradise because I think that would be really nice. I, I do too, but I, I'm not going to... Just because I want to see something 
I should be doubly cautious about seeing it because it might not be there because I want to see it. I see. On the top half of the page, we're basically basing all of this off of like one line on the bottom of this page. On the top half of this page, we kind of get the the stakes laid out for us. Vashet is telling folks, I'm not going to teach you anything. I'm just going to beat you until you go away. And Tempe will receive some kind of punishment. And we know from Quoth's previous conversation with Tempe before they got to Ademra that Tempe believes that he would be like exiled, cut away. And that's certainly what Carceret told us that she wanted uh, in the previous scene. So the stakes of Quoth's decision to stay or go have been laid out in the plainest possible terms for us. Yes. I, I will not debate this. This sounds correct. How Quoth chooses to respond is going to tell us something about his character. When a character is faced with a a choice with really high stakes, how they respond to that choice is always something that the story is doing to show you, like, this is who this person is. Yeah, I you you took great pains to talk about how Quoth was, like, being a pill. Not exactly that, but like you seem to read Quoth as like being petulant and obstinate on the previous page and like giving her attitude, whereas I read him as being pretty zen. But on this page, he like glares back at her. So that's that's the data point, if you like, in in your favor, that maybe he is uh, throwing her face or whatever the term is. And he's just like not being explicit about it uh, on the page. But maybe he is like copying a tude. I always imagined him being like very like calm and just sort of taking it. Um, but maybe he is kind of, you know, I believe it was the page where, where she said like, your eyes show the truth. Even when you make your face a mask, your eyes are like glittering windows is what she says. And the fact that he glares back at her on this page, maybe uh, is some evidence he's not that trying he to is. Hide it anymore. Yeah. He's just being outright with it. And to be clear, it's not that I think that Quoth is being a brat when he has no reason to be. She disses his friend and then insults him and he is doing his best to master his emotions and not show how angry that makes him. Justifiably, he should be angry. I'd be angry if somebody said any of that shit about one of you. And I would probably not do a very good job of disguising it. Yeah, that's fair. Like, maybe he's no longer... It's, just, it's interesting to me that, like, there is a bit of a shift. Or, I mean, you could read this as a shift in his attitude. And that now he's like, all right, fine. I don't have to be happy about this. But he... As we learn, uh, he still comes back for more, even though he maybe isn't pleased with it. He's angry before she beats him, right? Like, he's he's angry that she's being cruel about his friend and dismissive of him, despite his best efforts to be polite and accommodating, and then she beats him. So he really has no reason to like try and make a good impression because she has made it plain, like, I don't like you and I want you gone. As far as he's concerned, he can't really change her mind about that. Yeah, he just has to do, I guess, whatever he thinks he can in order to not get kicked out. <laughs> and that's what the rest of this chapter is. It's Quoth making up, like, Quoth's been put in an impossible situation, right? You either stay here and get beaten like a rented mule by someone uh, who is a professional ass kicker, or you leave and your friend maybe gets like exiled forever from his culture. Either way you lose, what are you going to do? That is kind of the tension, the question that the rest of this chapter sets us up to answer. All right. Uh, Jordana, I, I don't want to scoop you here, but uh, do you have anything you want to say about the meal? that Cody Other than eats? the fact that it seems delicious, like all of our food things that we talk about in this book? 
Is there a specific food I should be? I I must respectfully disagree. Sweet molasses pudding, it's a no for me, dog. I mean, I wouldn't enjoy a molasses pudding in real life, but anytime like simple but hearty fare is described in a novel, I am like, I want that. I don't know how to feel about the word molasses, but sweet pudding sounds good. Right. Okay. So you know those gross, horrible Halloween candies you get that just come in like Halloween themed wrapping and gum up your teeth for approximately an hour and taste like roasted asshole? I've literally never put one of those in my mouth. Those aren't even molasses. I, like, I, I know that they exist, but I've never molasses eaten Molasses is worse than those things. Those are like toffees. Molasses is like... No, no, no. Toffees are good. That's a molasses candy. <laughs> okay, whatever. Look, we all agree that molasses sucks ass, but this passage makes me imagine the taste of molasses is as good as people in books seem to think it is. Mm. I guess back like proper- back before they have refined sugar, molasses is like the only sweet thing in the world, and that's why it seems to go over <laughs> the well. The best thing fantasy. they can get. Yeah, exactly. Molasses, like as an ingredient in other things, great. Like ginger molasses cookies, S tier cookie. Oh, so good. But molasses, like on its own, is like the main ingredient of a thing. Mm-mm. Well, I don't see molasses as being the main ingredient of a pudding. Like I feel like it would be a pudding that is sweet with a slight molassesy flavor. Like I feel like the molasses is the flavor of the pudding, but it's not the it's not the main ingredient of the pudding. Like like when you when you eat a chocolate pudding, it's not it's it's more pudding than chocolate. Right, but it tastes like chocolate. It doesn't taste like pudding because pudding is a form of a thing. So if it's a mola- if it's a chocolate pudding, it tastes like chocolate. Ergo Right, but your issue with molasses is not its flavor. Your issue with molasses is its texture. No, my issue with molasses is the flavor. Like- the texture is fine oh. because toffee has the same texture and toffee's awesome. It is the taste of molasses that is bad. Oh, okay, well, I having not tried molasses, I don't know how to feel about it. I have never had bad molasses, nor have I had good molasses, so I will assume it is good based on this, the word sweet wow, being involved. Wow. <laughs> Listeners, write in and tell Jordana how bad molasses is. Yeah, it's I can I can attest. Molasses is real bad. It's a, it's one of those things that like is a good ingredient because it adds a little bit of something something. You wouldn't want to have it on its own. Although, if we can return to the page, it is one of those things that sounds real nice when it's simple fare. Why is it that simple fare sounds so good? Like whenever uh, Martin is writing about his roast capons and his trenchers of gravy and whatever, I'm like, oh, come on, I'm over it. And like, I don't want that the pigeon pie or whatever else and the eels. He's always putting eels and stuff. Oh, see, I, I do. I want a lamprey pie. I want capons. I want rashers of Jeremy gravy. wants to expire of gout uh, on a pile of velvet pillows. <laughs> that is the dream. That is, that's how you go out, like a legend. <laughs> Injecting molten gravy into your veins. <laughs> maybe it's because it's food we know. Like, maybe we think, maybe we feel that it is more delicious just because it's more familiar. I also think it's like easier to get across the tastiness of a simple meal because as you say, it's familiar. Whereas like if you're describing the gastronomic delights of like a Michelin five-star chef at some fancy French restaurant, most people have never had that. And the flavors that make that attractive to the kinds of people who like that kind of food are complex. And it's, it's harder, I think, to describe complex flavors in a way that makes them also sound appealing whereas it's pretty like we all know how delicious butter is it's pretty easy to make butter sound good well because butter is yeah all you have to say to make butter sound good is the word butter (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes 
Butter good, molasses bad. We've we've come to a lot of strong conclusions. All right, on this, this is page. a page that opened with enmity and ended with amity, and so uh, listeners, you too can overcome your differences and agree on things that are good and things that are bad. On tomorrow's page, uh, the win. win.